Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. We are so happy to be joined by a special guest, Josh Hammer, back in studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. The Daily Wire. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Glenn, what was the top story for you? Uh, Top story for me is the effect of uh, socialism on cities in America that are already starting to collapse, and nobody seems to notice. All right, Stu. We thought it was coming about 100,000 times, but we believe Joe Cella is tomorrow. The Get out of, here. of Joe Biden. Joe Cella. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Josh. Yeah, so Ilan Omar does it again. Uh, she does it again this week. A recently uncovered tweet about obtuse moral relativism, to put it mildly, about Black Hawk Down, blaming American soldiers for taking Somali lives. Just totally abhorrent. So she does it again. Hmm. Uh, a lot to get into there. Uh, it's almost as if she doesn't actually love America. <laughs> it's almost like that. <laughs> but, but, but we'll get into that. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Uh, so we here at Blaze TV are really thankful for Relief Factor because it makes Glenn tolerable to work with. That's so sad, isn't it? <laughs> um, really, though, when you're in pain, it affects every single yes, part of your life. Absolutely everything. Yes. Pat used to be really, really fun to hang out with. <laughs> he, he is. He just, uh, he's also in the middle of laughing, he just grimaces. Uh, yeah, he's uh, just, he just like is in, is in excruciating pain. We both go to the same pain doctor and the same back doctor, and, and, he, and the pain doctor is like, I don't know how that guy even walks. Uh, I'm like, wow, you see bad stuff, too. Um, I I have gotten out of pain. Uh, A lot of my pain has been relieved by Relief Factor. The day-to-day stuff that just, I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, And Relief Factor helped me. It reduces the inflammation. It is all, um, it's all natural, you know, done by doctors. They know what they're doing. And, uh, And it has four key ingredients. And all it does is just help your body fight the inflammation. And that's really what causes our pain and so many other problems in our body. So try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, you're out 20 bucks. But if it does work, you have your life back. And 70% of the people who try it, it works. And they go in to order more month after month. It's Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. Glenn, you said socialism is already collapsing cities here in the United States. No one's listening. I mean, we are watching, we're watching, I mean, we, ex- we, don't, we don't necessarily say, oh, San Francisco, it's a socialist city. We just say, it's San Francisco. And we all know, okay, it's San Francisco. I grew up in Seattle, in the Seattle area. Seattle is one of the most beautiful cities in America. So is San Francisco, but it's San Francisco. Um, Seattle has taken this mad Marxist left, uh, and it is just devouring itself. And there is a... um, there's a very brave documentary that was put on television by KOMO-TV. It was a local documentary called Seattle is Dying. And I watched it. A friend of, of mine in Seattle sent it to me and said, you've got to watch this documentary. This is crazy, Glenn, what's going on up here. I had no idea how bad it was. And I'm watching it, seeing a city that I loved, and I know the street corners that they're on. And I'm like, that used to be the nicest street corner. Oh, it still is the nicest street corner? And that's what's happening? Uh, we tried to get the people on, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't come on. The documentary filmmakers didn't want to come on. I don't. I don't know why, but I assume it's because it took enough bravery to go on television, in Seattle, and say this doesn't work. They don't need to rub salt in the wounds by going nationally uh, and say that. It, it, what's happening there is a hostile takeover by Marxist radicals, if you want to see what America will be like, the beginnings of first term of a socialist uh, Democrat in in the Oval Office, 
If you want to see what it'll be like, look to Seattle. You want to see how the, the government will respond to you, look to Seattle. Let me play two clips for you. This one is first where these, these constituents go to the Seattle City Council and they're saying, look, we, we're, we, have, we have drugs on our streets. We, our children are not safe. Our houses are being broken into. We can't do business here anymore. You got to help us. I want you to watch the response of the council. Watch, watch what they say and do. Will you manage these camps and will you enforce the law? There has evolved a profound disconnect and rarely has it been more vividly laid out than in this exchange. If property crime is committed, violence is committed, you need to call 911 and the police... You've lost all credibility when you say, you said two words. You said, call 911. Do you understand that the police have told us to vote you all out so that they can do their jobs? And you're telling us to call 911? You're smiling. You think it's funny? You think it's funny the way we're living? Mm. The police are quitting. They're, they're, the police officers are walking off the job saying, I can't do it anymore. This doesn't make sense. What they want us to do is not police. And this documentary, because it's made in such a progressive era, or area, I, I thought it was really remarkable. Did you notice this tone when you watched it? How they kept expressing, this is not compassion. Because they're talking to these bleeding hearts progressives and these Marxists who are not connected to reality that are all saying, but we have to do the right thing. We have to care about people. And so this documentary all the way through it keeps saying, this is not something that is good for people. This is, this is not helping people on the street, but they ignore the people who actually are paying the taxes and are living there. They only seem to care about the people that are living on the streets and they are taking advantage of the system because there is no law anymore that they enforce. I want you to watch one more exchange with the city council. If you think that was an isolated incident, watch how the Seattle City Council completely dismisses this man and rubs him, just rubs his face in his smallness. Watch. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Um, before you start the clock, could you stop me for a second? I, it's real discouraging to come up here and see all the heads down. It's, it's like, you Sir, know, you, you're on a two-minute timer here, so let's go. You're on a two-minute timer. Could you start it over, please? No, we're not going to. Just go ahead. So it was unreasonable for you to ask that people look up and give me their attention? Sir, you have two minutes. We're all looking at you. have two minutes. Now you have a minute and 30 seconds. Last week, you limited speakers because of the number of speakers to one minute each, but you allowed uh, Amila Jayapal to speak as long as she wanted to. It was four or five minutes. And it reminded me of uh, George Orwell's famous saying from Animal Farm about how all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I feel like I'm being treated now, just because I was kind of asking for your attention. Like, I immediately got a hostile response back from you. I don't understand that. So you don't ever respond to citizens or what's... I do, sir, but you have two minutes for public comment to the agenda items. That woman's well, on it's all on tape, and I think it's a, it's a pretty sad commentary. 
that you think that asking for you guys to look up off of your computers and give attention during this short period of time was an unreasonable thing. I really feel bad about that. Thank you. Now listen to, listen to that guy. He's not a troublemaker. He's not, he's just saying, can you guys show some humanity here? This is what happens. If a business was run like Seattle is being run, if, if we talked to a guy today who runs a cemetery, drugs, people living in the cemetery, selling drugs, prostitution in the cemetery, cost him $200,000 last year just to repair and keep this cemetery, you know, okay. The city will do nothing about it. Nothing. They won't arrest. They won't do anything about it. Now, if, if you had a, a, you know, a, a, a business that was supposed to protect this, this cemetery, this sacred spot, and they didn't do it, you would have the ability to go to the press, and the press would expose that company as being lousy. Here, you can't go to the press because they're in on it. You can't go to the police because they can't do anything about it. And your last stop is the government, and that's the way they treat you. That is socialism. That is what's coming if America doesn't wake up. Mm. It's, uh, I mean, the, the documentary is really worth your time um, because it's, it's really just foreshadowing what every other city in America is about to be going through if we keep going down this road. Well, I mean, can I just interject yeah. for a second? Here in Dallas, Dallas County, we just talked about this the yes. other day, we're now not prosecuting people oh, for, yeah. you know, theft of less than $750. Incredible. That's just, it's the same thing. Did you hear the governor on my show? Yeah. Oh, he was pissed. Yeah. He was pissed. And it, like, it's amazing because it's like the reverse of like a Giuliani approach, right? Where Giuliani yeah. went in and like, hey, let's get rid of these like pesky crimes that annoy people every broken day. Broken windows theory. Yeah, the broken yeah. windows theory. They're making actually doing the opposite here. They're just like, well, we'll you know, for our little, we, so we can have our social justice points with our friends. We'll go out there and let everyone do uh, whatever they want. Uh, they're not letting the police enforce the law. There's a story in there about a guy who is out in front of the courthouse selling methamphetamine. Uh, he gets arrested, and uh, and he goes to goes to jail, and they they find out he's got a prior uh, kidnapping, and also was the only um, the only suspect. suspect in a you know brutal uh, rape of a woman uh, earlier on in his life. They let him out, uh, not even to hold him uh, for 24 hours. And what he did is he went to uh, a, a retirement home and and raped a 71 year old woman nearly to death, um, and she was you know all sorts of horrible things happened to her, and like this is very much you know that's the worst case scenario but it's very much run of the mill that these things happen they get released all the time they they have records of people who've been re, you know arrested 50 60 70 80 90 times for the same types of things and they just get released back onto the street and i think you're right Glenn. the biggest point in the whole thing was it just this is not a how is this not the how is this compassionate side guy to allow people to live like this guy who is is in, uh, one scene he's in a trash can he's yeah. clearly out of his mind. It legitimately looks like Reno 911 like thing. It's like it looks like comedy almost, yeah. you know, but it's not. it's not. And they they spend so much time trying to coax him out of the trash can and he's biting them and spitting on them, biting himself, biting himself. It it's crazy, okay? They spend all this time to get this guy out. He's done it before and he's he's now he was he's taken in and they immediately release him. He goes back on the streets. He's now um, he's like a meth user. He's now stealing, and they have him on tape proud of stealing. He's like, yeah, 
Uh, this is great. And I have, I've been arrested. How many times did he say? I've been arrested over and over and again in Seattle, and I broke them. I now have broken the system. They don't dare arrest me. Yeah, I'm stealing now. No big deal. Mm. Josh, last word. It wasn't just in Portland like last month that Andy Ngo from Twitter had like all those videos of like Antifa taking over downtown traffic and the yes. police were just nowhere to be. It was just in Portland, yes. right? So, mm-hmm. so something's going on there in the Pacific Northwest. I've actually never even been to Oregon or Washington State, so I can't tell you what's in the water personally, but something's clearly going on up there. But, you know, it, it seems to me, and Stu's talking about compassion, how like the compassion crowd oftentimes gets the exact opposite of what they intend. I kind of analogize that to immigration, right? I mean, we have an mm-hmm. unprecedented crisis at our southern border right now. The numbers are astronomical. CBP just this week said that in the Rio Grande Valley sector, most traffic sector, we've already had more apprehensions in fiscal year 2019 through the first seven months than the entire fiscal year 2018. Like, it's, un- it's unprecedented. We are, we are in uncharted waters right now. But the compassion crowd, the people who are trying to get catch and release, who are trying to eliminate these detention centers, who are trying to tell everyone from the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras to come on up, what they're doing is they're aiding and abetting these anti-compassionate human trafficking rings, the cartels. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're inciting violence along the border. Um, so the Amnesty Open Borders crowd is a great example, I think, mm-hmm. of how this compassion mindset oftentimes leads to the exact opposite of that. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Before we jump back into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. So until we, I heard about them from Glenn and Stu, I had no idea home title fraud was like a thing. I had no idea. Yeah, one of the fastest growing crimes in America. It's insane. Which is insane. And I, what's crazy is when, when I met with the FBI guy and I'm like, yeah, but my house. And he's like, oh, no. He knew everything about my house. And he's like, no, no, no. What you did to make it safer has actually made it easier for them. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how easy it is to steal somebody's title. So they can literally just, they log online and they can what, forfeit? No, no, we're not going to. Let's like walk you through the entire process. I'm not going to give them a step by step. It's really only three steps. It really is only three steps. It's like like a counterfeit deed, I guess. It's the ease. No, it's a real deed. deed. It's the real deal. It's crazy. (laughs) Insane. Yeah. Insane. And certainly not the local government is going to catch it for you, right? It's a false notary. I mean, it goes really, it's really easy to do. They actually did it to us, basically. Home people at home drive, like, like, hey, we could file these right now. We'd own your home. And For we were, $40. We're yeah. like, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> I always tell them, that, like, if this business doesn't work out, just go into stealing homes. It's yeah. going to work out. Well, they're the <laughs> only ones. <laughs> they're the only ones. There's this one central depository of, uh, or is it repository, of all of the, <laughs> the, the titles in the country. And so it goes in and out, and they're the only ones positioned right at that at choke point. So if you're on their list... They see your title going through. They're the only ones, really, that can stop it right at the source. Yeah. Uh, you can go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Get a $100 search for free when you sign up so you can find out if you've already been compromised. You wouldn't know it unless you go to HomeTitleLock.com and get that $100 search for free. Uh, Stu, you said Joe... Joe Cella. Joe Cella. Mm-hmm. Are uh, you sure? I am pretty sure that's like what they're we've... calling it. 
Well, but but he's mm-hmm. you said he's announcing. He is. Well, we don't know for sure, of course. But we've been told uh, this before. This has been reported on and off about fifty-five times. But uh, <laughs> ABC News today confirmed it that that tomorrow he's going to uh, announce his campaign in a video, which now we're now pre-announcing videos, uh, and then the uh, Monday they're going to do his first sort of campaign event. Uh, in I think it's Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, he, he enters the race as the front runner. I think uh, for sure. Uh, though, you know, that could, this is this could also be the peak of his campaign, right? Like, I mean, you know, this 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 does tend to happen that way. Uh, everyone likes the you know the backup quarterback. So here he is. You know, once he gets into the game, you know, who knows uh, how this is going to work? I, I would be fascinated to hear your take on how Joe's going to fare. So I think that Joe Biden is going to peak tomorrow and it's all downhill from there. Really? That's a camp that I'm in. I think that Joe Biden is too moderate for today's Democratic Party, which is pretty crazy because Joe Biden is not a particularly moderate figure. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I mean, you, all you need to do is go back to the YouTube clips of him during the Robert Bork Supreme Court hearings when mm. he was tag teaming with Ted Kennedy to do the most vile personal attack in probably the history of the United States Senate Judiciary Committee. But Joe Biden, if you look at it, he's had some, some, some of his rhetorical stances and some of his substantive stances alike on things like race, crime. Um, he used to be kind of a tough on crime kind of guy. It was part of his kind of blue collar appeal was he was there to you know protect the people from the criminals. But that is that's verboten in today's Democratic Party that is you know obsessed with these prosecutors like we were, like we were just talking about in Dallas County that are just not prosecuting the low level offenders. So I think Joe Biden is too moderate, honestly, maybe too white, too old. Um, the Obama coalition, I. Think it's probably going to go a little more to Kamala Harris. I think the, inter- the intersectionality people will flock there if I had to predict. So I don't think Biden's going to last, to be honest with you. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. Mm. I, I mean, I, it's going to be interesting because I, I, I think it, the things you're t- like, it's the, the things that people leak against you in a primary are the things you put in your own commercials in the general. And it's like, if Biden can get through this, you know, so that's going to help him. Like the, the, when he's talking about being tough on crime, he's going to be able to legitimately go back and point to certain things that are going to make him seem more moderate. And I think he is signaling that he's going to ru- try to run as a progressive in the actual uh, camp in the primary, which I don't know if that's going to work. Eight percent of progressives support him. Eight percent. Well, that was eight percent. Like, yeah. And I, so, but again, he is leading every poll pretty much. Uh, so he does lead it. It's an it's an enviable place to be if you're entering a campaign like this. Um, uh, and also, um, you know, he's there. And kind of the opposite of this is Pete Buttigieg, who comes in with no fanfare whatsoever, is in dead last place, so as you'd expect, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and now is really in like third place in a lot of these polls, third or fourth in that, in that range. And it's interesting, this story came out today, uh, and I don't know if Mayor Pete believes this, but he's not going to just get this nomination handed to him. Like, they're not going to just like walk him into the aisle and, hey, name your VP. That's not how this is going to go. They're going to they're gonna be critical of this guy. They just didn't expect him to make any noise, so they didn't have anything prepared. They've now said that they're going through and they're about done with all the opposition research. There's a new report, report out going through. They've gone through all of his hirings and firings. They've gone through all of his public statements, all of his local interviews. I mean, they are really going to the wall because this guy's a legitimate threat. He has not really announced any policy uh, policy at all intentionally um, and you know the only thing he's kind of done has been mildly critical of Sanders so the you know the belief is maybe he's trying to walk in between a Biden and and, uh, and a Sanders I mean it's a it's a tough strategy and it's, it'll be interesting to see because we've seen this before with Herman Cain with Fred Thompson with Carly Fiorina with so many of these candidates they have their little run they have their this this little moment. boost the moment uh, is this just a moment or is it something longer lasting? I mean, we'll probably know within about a month or so. If he's still hanging around in a month or two, I mean, you probably start taking this thing seriously. I do think also um, with Biden, it'll be interesting to see um, 
the two different factions, right? Because you've got the socialist faction and then you've got the moderate, right. you can call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, I don't know. It's the, the old establishment and then the new, you know, the new wing of the party trying to rise up. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that will be very indicative of who is going to control that party, um, you know, from now forward. Let's say Barack Obama, not in policy, just in name, changes to a Republican and Donald Trump dies and everybody dies. And they're like, we got to have somebody in it's and it's Barack Obama is going to be the replacement for Donald Trump. And he's running. Is there anyone on the Democratic field today that is currently running that you would go? Well, I mean, it's Barack Obama, this this individual, I don't think we're going to be fully socialist by the end <laughs> of four years. Is there anyone on the field today that you don't think will take us down a radical, radical road? I mean, Biden's the only one who's even close, yeah. right? I mean, and, and, well, and, and that's and a I sad state of would. affairs, yeah. right, because that's a sad state, state of affairs to say Biden yeah. would Biden be the was, only one that's close because yeah. he's not moderate, yeah, but he uh, is really, by today's really standards. Not. When he ran with Obama, if I, they were one, two as far as most liberal senators in the Senate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't remember what order the order was, but they were one, two. This is not a guy who's a moderate. And, and I don't, it's interesting. He, he's being portrayed as this person who's going to run as a moderate. And I think that's how the other you know, leftists are going to try to portray him. I don't think he's going to portray himself that way. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to try to say, I mean, he said it already. I'm the most progressive guy running. I mean, I'm not running. Uh, he had that he, moment. He, yeah. he went out. Remember, Barack Obama only said he was for gay marriage because Joe Biden <laughs> That's right. came That's out right. and said, by the way, I'm all in. That's a great point. That's right. Yep. That's right. But what about Biden? I mean, Biden historically called himself personally pro-life. You know, it's the old Mario Cuomo shtick, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, probably it's kind of like blue-collar Catholic thing that Biden was trying to do in the Rust Belt. But how is that going to play in today's Democratic Party? It doesn't feel like it does. It no, doesn't, right? So, all right, back in a minute. It just doesn't seem like it would work. I mean, the leftist activists are more shy. A few weeks ago, I uh, tweeted out a joke about a ridiculous wooden fork I got at the mall while out with my family. I said I was just given a crappy wooden fork to eat chicken with, <laughs> and I want to tell you it really is. It's terribly crappy. Uh, and I want to remind everyone, this is the stupid future AOC wants for us, of course, referring to the Green New Deal. Uh, today, that tweet was resurrected by a Salon.com writer who, wow. of course, alerted all of her rabid climate change catastrophists who immediately attacked me. Some people told me to try stabbing myself with the fork. Some insulted my manicure as if it would be insulting to point out that busy working mothers don't always have time <laughs> to go to the nail salon. Others called me the C word, but they didn't stop there. Uh, one of these cult members, whose name I do know, but I won't share on air, took the time and energy to find my personal private email address and other personal information about me and send me the following emails. Uh, one of them, if you want to tweet out nonsense, keep doing it. We'll roast the F out of you all day, dumb a white girl posing when she just a basic white girl. Great grammar. The next email, he uses my legal last name, which he clearly went to great lengths to find. Uh, it says, who's Sarah, and it lists my legal name, or do you have a fake last name to sound less white? Now, this is a name I do not use publicly in order to keep my family life separate and protected from my public life and career. Uh, he then tweeted out my legal last name as a means to dox and intimidate me. Well, tough guy, allow me to answer you publicly, where the whole world can hear, because I'm not a cowardly little man who hides behind a fake email address sending threatening emails to women with whom I disagree. 
Not that it matters to anyone other than you and the rest of the rabid left foaming at the mouth for some sort of intersectionality war, but my maiden name is Gonzalez. I was born Sarah Gonzalez. One of my grandparents came from Spain, the other from Mexico, and I'm terribly sorry if my skin isn't brown enough for you. And this is the exact reason I use my maiden name, because cultists like you will go to any length possible to silence those who do not think as you do, who do not do as you do, who are not sheep parroting the same tired talking points from the left. And if you think for one second you're going to intimidate me into shutting up, you are dead wrong. People like you are the reason I do what I do. You are the reason that I work tirelessly to remind people of truth and facts and history, by the way, all of which are on my side. So you can continue stalking me and violating my privacy if you'd like, but I'd like to remind you that I live in Texas and we carry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in overtime. Very good. Good job. That was awesome. And I, I want to rant like that on wooden forks. Uh, I just. I, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Josh, we're going to get to your topic, I promise. But. We were just talking off air about wooden forks. I feel like we got to we got to discuss this. Oh my god! Right? Wooden forks are terrible. They're 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 the devil. Uh, now paper straws are Satan. So I mean I think yeah. there's a split there somehow. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to to rank these. I do feel like paper straws take the cake. <laughs> yes, they're the worst. Paper straws is the worst, and then wooden forks. And like I, I whether it's environmental or not, like is not my my, my issue with any, either of those things. Like I, the gelato places sell the plastic, the, the paper, um, God, the, the wooden, wooden spoons. spoons. Yeah. And like I, there, it's awful. It's like you're just ruining your product. And I can't imagine that there's anybody out there who actually likes them. They're awful. They're awful, awful products. Uh, and the paper straw is awful. And the, the I mean, the, the wooden fork is like it's almost inhuman. Um, and I, so I honestly, like as you're reading this, I, and I just asked you this off the air, but it's like I don't even understand what was their issue with you. Like what you didn't say that like we should ban all of them, or you didn't say that. I mean, you just made a quick little joke, uh, basically saying I don't like these forks. Yeah. What was their issue with you? That I dare say that I wanted plastic instead. Well, you didn't, by the way. I don't right. Think, I didn't. Right? No, okay. I didn't. Um, and then I'm in favor of killing our children. <laughs> How dare I not want a future for our children? Excellent logic, by the way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If we wanted to kill children, we'd have to have metal forks. It would be a lot easier to kill the children <laughs> that's with a great, those. That's a really great point. Yeah, the wooden ones would break. If I, also, if I wanted to kill children, I would be pro-choice. That is an interesting observation that I don't know that they thought of. <laughs> but No, but the, but the wooden forks. Let me just explain. <laughs> if, I don't know if, if they can go back to my to the picture in my tweet. It's they're not even it's not pointy. Right. They're not pointy. Right. Like the point of a the fork. Tongues are yes. Right, right, right. The yeah. point of a fork is for you to be able to stab yeah. something. They're also not Otherwise, deep enough, I would no, say on that. Not like deep like they need to be deeper so they, you can get deeper into the food and, and like pick it up, right? right. Like you're just like taking the little edge of the food. Yes. This is a, I I am totally with you on this, by the way. This is I've never agreed with you more. Well, uh, don't tell don't tell Twitter that. Oh, I, yeah. They'll come after you. They already hate me, so and it's call not a big deal. Chil- <laughs> children killers, especially when they find out that you don't agree with them on climate change. Oh well, I I mean I don't agree with the climate change, but honestly, like if you wanted to put in the whole Green New Deal, I'd rather have that than paper straws. 
I would actually, <laughs> if I could ban paper straws, I'd give, them, I'd give them yeah. the entire Green New Deal. You can have it. Have your 90% tax rates. Whatever you want, no more paper straws. I, 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 I was out to lunch last Thursday in Florida. I was visiting my grandmother, and they had paper straws at this restaurant. Literally for like an hour meal, I had to ask for three new straws. Right, because they just <laughs> melt together. Soggy, they, soggy. they stick together. You can't drink anything from them. Yeah. They're not even environmental. I guarantee in you know a year or two, there will be a study that comes out that shows that they're worse than plastic straws, as is always the case. We just did the story on plastic bags versus uh, reusable bags. That's where right. Again, it shows what everyone knows. We've, there was a new one that came out, in, I think it was the Wall Street Journal yesterday, about how uh, you know electric cars are not uh, you know as, as environmentally pleasing as we all thought they were. I never thought, think they are because we all, at the end of the day, we always find out the opposite is true with right. these things. And I, you know, paper straws, you're right, three, four, five in a dinner. I mean, yeah. it is ridiculous. But holding that aside, it's not even pleasurable or enjoyable no. to drink in the first place. Yeah. I mean, uh, that is, it's an amazing thing because this goes back to what we were talking about with Seattle and yeah. that, like, these restaurants, these businesses are putting their virtue signaling ahead of your experience at their restaurant. Mm. Like, they're actually saying, look, we all, like, any legit environmentalist, and there are some who legitimately believe this, um, and you can tell who they are when they argue for nuclear power. That's about the time you can tell they're actually a legitimate environmentalist. Yeah. Great point. But, but, like, when you, they... It, like, they will tell you, anyone will tell you that there's no way that the difference between a plastic to a paper straw makes any difference to the environment. There is literally no detectable difference at all. Yeah, you could say, well, they biodegrade. But, I mean, again, this is a large place with a lot of stuff going on. It's going to make no difference to the, the end game when it comes to the environment. It's all about virtue. It's all about saying, I'm a good person. See, I gave you this straw. And it's supposed to make you as a customer say, well, you know what? I, I like this place because they, they're trying to help. Like, that is, it's all disingenuous. It doesn't do anything. And in the end of the day, it just makes you, un, like, it makes your experience unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, the one thing they're supposed to be doing, they don't actually accomplish. I would just like to uh, say I plan to go to Costco and buy a giant box of plastic utensils. Mm -hmm. And every single time I use one, I'm going to dedicate it to oh, every single one tweet. of the trolls when I throw it away. I love that. I'll just, I'll just tweet back to them me throwing <laughs> <laughs> the plastic spoon away I just go, buy, go to Costco, buy one of the big bags, just, just take it over to the trash and just pour them out all unused <laughs> just to piss them off. Let's get a gif of you doing that. Until you <laughs> uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Josh. Uh, Ilan Omar. Yeah, so, so she, patriotic. She's done all it. Again. She's done it again, right? Oh, yeah. Such patriotism, such love of America. Yeah. So <laughs> Ilan Omar, you know, the litany of what she's done obviously does not need to be repeated. Most recently, of course, was the 9/11 thing. Some people did something. The video from Care. First of all, by the way, she also botched the year that Care was founded. She made it sound like yeah. Care was founded after 9/11. Doesn't want. You say she botched it. I mean, do you think she, I mean, it was intentional. Probably. Maybe. I mean, because it, it, it makes care out to be much more sympathetic than it obviously right. and is. she's clearly very familiar with care. She's very familiar with care. Because of her work with them. So I feel like that was just kind of a, a purposeful. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had that. And then, of course, we had this other video uncovered from like 2013 talking to uh, some interviewer about how when she was in college, a professor would say like Al-Qaeda. Oh. <laughs> uh, like Al-Qaeda. <laughs> like the same way that they would say, you know, like England or America. Like, no, these two things are not the same thing as one another. One is the greatest country in the history of Western civilization. One committed the greatest jihad attack in the history of our entire country. So not the same thing, but she's done. It's a slight, slight difference. Yeah, only, only small. <laughs> but she's done yet again this week. So earlier this week, the Investigative Project on Terrorism, which is a pretty indispensable website that a lot of people haven't really heard much about, 
They were huge in covering the 2008 Holy Land Foundation trial, which was actually right here in the Dallas area. It was the largest terror financing trial in the history of the United States government. Care was, care was actually founded to be an, un, an unindicted co-conspirator mm-hmm. in that trial. You've got to get that exactly right because they're very litigious. So you've got to make sure you say unindicted co-conspirator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so the investigative part in terrorism unearthed this tweet from October 2017. The tweet was... A little over a month, if I recall, right after Ilhan Omar herself, then a state representative who at the time she met at the the United Nations with Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the dictator of Turkey, who is the number one jailer of journalists in the entire world. He has made Turkey far from the Ataturk-founded secular country that was. He's made it probably the number one sponsor of the Muslim Brotherhood in Hamas. And less than a month after that, she found some tweet about Black Hawk Down, the famous 1993 battle in Mogadishu, which is where Ilhan Omar is from. Mm -hmm. And the tweet was talking about how the 19 Americans paid the ultimate price. They gave their life in, in, in this very courageous uh, mission. And Ilhan Omar basically quote tweets the tweet and says, well, what about the American crimes on the Somalis? Hashtag not today, Satan. Forgets to also mention that thousands of Somalis killed by the American forces that day. Mm, thousands? Thousands. Mm. So hold aside the factual inaccuracy um, <laughs> and focus on the just beyond obtuse moral relativism going on here. OK, Tucker Carlson last night, I thought, had a good segment on this. Tucker is very skeptical of foreign engagements. Um, but even Tucker last night was talking about how Black Hawk Down, the Battle of Mogadishu, was not like a prolonged nation building democracy promotion crusade. It was not like Iraq. It was very different. It was a 24 to 36 hour targeted humanitarian mission. And we probably saved hundreds of thousands of Somali lives by getting rid of a vicious warlord. 19 Americans paid the ultimate price there. And Ilhan Omar is talking about how Americans killed, in her bizarrely afactual estimation, thousands of Somalis. (laughs) It's the same person who's downplaying al-Qaeda, who's downplaying 9-11. So I don't think it's unfair in the slightest to ask if this woman has America's best interests at heart. I mean, legitimately, I don't want to sound like Alex Jones here, but I legitimately am like, is she a plant? Like, for, for real. First, she, the, the, paper, the, the wooden forks, now this. I mean, yes, this is, uh, they were just wow. going off the wires uh, yeah. in overtime. Uh, but I mean, seriously, and I know that, you know, I know her district, you know, she represents her district, but I also read something, it may have been at the Daily Wire, that her district ha- is like the, the largest amount of... It's the biggest Somali community in the United States. Okay. Yeah, so she... Ilona Omar, I was actually talking with my friend Jesse Kelly about this on the radio last night. Ilona Omar is very much a symptom and not a cause of the, of the actual problem. What we actually have is the underlying problem here is an immigration problem where we're bringing in large swaths of largely unvetted immigrants from countries like Somalia that have like a 95-plus percent female genital mutilation rate mm-hmm. that don't share our values in the slightest, and we're not focused enough on assimilation, right? And... Her district, she replaced Keith Ellison, who obviously goes back with Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. So, yeah, it's a D plus 26 district. It's a far left district with a huge Somali population. And we've got to be very careful when we're bringing in these mass numbers of immigrants from the third world that we're very carefully attuned to assimilation because we're currently just not doing that. Yeah, Stu, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed by Omar because I'm, I'm constantly told the same thing, which is you know, Ilan Omar and AOC and, and, and all the rest are just, they, you know what, they... You know, you might not agree with them, but they really are, they know how to use social media and they're they're brilliant. And it's like, well, I mean, yes, they get attention on social media, but it's usually because they're falling on their face. Right. <laughs> like, like this is like, you know, anyone can do that. Yeah. Like, you know, people like if you're doing a backdoor wrestling and jump off your roof and you land on your face, you're going to get it'll get a lot of retweets. Like, does that mean you're good at social media? I, I don't even understand it. It's like. You know, uh, uh, like Lindsay Lohan got a lot of followers when she was like having all of her issues, right? Like that, 
that doesn't wasn't something to praise. And like I, here we have a situation where you know those two in particular, but there's a few others that are constantly going online, constantly tweeting things that are factually inaccurate that make them look stupid. Like they don't know. And then they double down on it. Yeah, and like and they're critical of Trump, and I've been critical of Trump for these same types of things, and they, he he does a lot of the same types of things. There's such a similarity there in in. Uh, in stardom, right? Like, like AOC is just a star. Like, she's not smart. She doesn't know what she's doing. I mean, her popularity, she's not popular. Her, her, her polling is, is about 10 to 13 points underwater. Um, but the fact is, you know, that a freshman congresswoman can get 70% of people to have an opinion on her within a few, uh, you know, really a few months. Yeah is impressive, but impressive why? It's not impressive because she's some brainiac that's solving problems. She's just, a, she's just a constant, you know, she's basically the guy in The Simpsons that Kelsey Grammer plays that walks, you know, uh, Sideshow Bob, that walks around and hits another rake and it hits her in the face. I mean, that gets a lot of retweets, but I don't think, I, it's not exactly a high-level skill. Yeah. Uh, so Brian Stelter, our good friend, mm-hmm. Brian Stelter over at CNN, um, he found out that Trump, I guess, is skipping the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And I hate to let you guys know this, but it really hurt Brian Stelter's fifi's oh. watch. It's useful for White House aides to schmooze with reporters. Yeah. It's helpful for us to get to know our sources. There's some value in these sorts of festive events, but it is, as you said, another example of a tradition that's uh, at least being put on pause during the Trump age. But look, it's yet another example of, of what we're seeing. This administration's attack against the media it takes many forms. Yeah, One form is the president having a rally uh, this Saturday instead of attending the dinner. I mean... I'm sorry. It's an attack on the media to not attend a dinner. I, did you guys, were you aware we did, of this? We did, we did. It's a giant attack. Mm-hmm. He is waging war <laughs> on the media by not going there to a dinner. Uh, it's funny, too. There's a, I mean, it's, there's a legend. Who knows if it's actually true, though, that, you know, several years ago, that he, Trump was at the, the correspondence dinner and got, you know, blasted by the comedian there. Seth know, Myers. Seth Myers, right. And, you know, the, the story is that that's when he kind of decided, I'm going to show these people and run for president. Whether it's 100% true, I don't know. I've read that too, though. But it's interesting. It, it could have been their fault, right? Like, yeah. their, that, that event could have been yeah. the thing that this giant problem that they now have was created by. I mean, this was, you know, this goes back to, you know, I think if, if Glenn were here, he would definitely yell the name Woodrow Wilson right now. Um, because if you go back, this is not a good thing. Like the idea that, that there's a schmoozing event with or their politicians and uh, the reporters, you know, it was done intentionally by the Possibly White House. Go wrong. Right. To bring them in, to try to get them so they're friends and not they're not doing the job of an opposition, uh, you know, an opposition party. You know, they're supposed to be so they're supposed to be their role is like they're supposed to be adversarial. And you saw what happened with. Um, with Obama. They're very adversarial now because they don't like Trump. But with Obama, I mean, we go back to the Iran deal. Ben Rhodes is out there. You know, he's bragging about lying to them. He's bragging in public, in the media, about lying to these reporters and fooling them to say that the Iran deal did things it didn't do. Uh, that, that's the type of thing that happens when you, when you encourage everybody to fraternize like that. It's, it's really not a good thing. Yeah. The Obama administration also spied on journalists, lest we forget. I mean, they spied on the Associated Press. They spied on James, James Rosen, Rosen and at Fox News quite famously. Mm-hmm. So what this shows is that the media obviously have a double standard. They are not applying the same ethical standards to one administration, one political party that they like as opposed to another that they don't like. But I have two questions. One is why this take three years? I mean, Trump probably should have done this in 2017, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, will the media, if ever, learn to stop being so conceited and hoity-toity about itself? 
I think the answer is probably no. I think no. Yeah. Um, I think until they're too they, Well, yeah, but if you look at their ratings, you would think that their ratings would be a wake-up call to them <laughs> that they needed to... For CNN in particular. Yes, yeah. that they needed to maybe check themselves and figure out what they were doing and course correct, but they don't seem to be doing that. So I don't know when they get to the point where they would be able to see that. Yeah, it just seems like we're reaching a boiling point, perhaps, mm-hmm. because... We are so segregated as a society in terms of what media we consume, and conservatives obviously have our outlets, and leftists have their outlets. But Might I say we have very good taste? Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it seems to me unsustainable, right? Because the vast majority of the White House press corps is still centered to, to left-leaning publications. Even in a Republican administration where Trump is giving out press passes to a lot of outlets that Obama didn't, that press corps is still very hostile. And Trump is, is, is slowly building up, I think, political capital for a more sustained battle, if you will. I don't want to say war, but a, a battle of sorts against our very conceited uh, media. And I think in a future Republican administration, we could just see like, lots of press credentials just stripped right away. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think we're getting to that point quickly. Uh, one last question. I know it's, it's a difficult one. Um, you may not be able to answer it. But is there a bigger wuss on television than Brian Stelter? <laughs> Uh, if there is, I cannot think. I mean, Chris Hayes maybe in MSNBC, mm. but maybe I still I think Brian Stelter takes the cake. I'm a pretty big wuss, so and I'm on television. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, I mean, you got to put me in the mix, I think, for this one. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's a it's a it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thing that we see here because I mean it goes both ways too. Like number one. This this sort of the way the media is with Trump right now is uh, bad for reporting, right? Like, I mean, it's like they're constantly lying about him. They're constantly misrepresenting the things that he says. And you know, I'm not the biggest Donald Trump fan in the world by any means, but like they 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 can, not only do they hate him because they hate every Republican. They are obsessed with him. Yes. Like so there's obsession and hate, and that intersection is where they live every single day. And it's not a good place. It's also shown. I think the Mueller report shows. It's not healthy for the president either. I mean, all of the things that he could be theoretically in trouble for here on the obstruction side of things, it wasn't him trying to obstruct justice. It was him trying to obstruct the press. And he constantly is lying all the time about to them and about them. And it's just that whole battle is just it's, it's not productive for the United States. Uh, and that is how I deflected from the wuss conversation. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I was about to get I was about to beat Brian Stelter and I didn't I didn't want that to be on, on camera. I mean, I did say I did preface it with it was a difficult question. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. So. Yeah, so true. <laughs> uh, yesterday's poll, which of the 2020 <laughs> candidates at the CNN town hall do you think is the most reasonable? Again, I feel like it's just this out of those this options. This is dangerous, though. I mean, look it at is. that. I I mean, you know, again, like this is his. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I know you're saying no. Well, six for the podcast listeners, 69 percent Mayor Pete, uh, 15 percent Bernie, 8 percent Kamala and 8 percent Elizabeth Warren. That's that's interesting. I mean, you know. Buttigieg has that vibe. Like he has a vibe of like if he can maintain it, although I did hear him today because, you know, you're starting to get to the point now we've heard him enough and you start to hear these annoying things. This happens with every candidate with me. But like today he's like. You know what? I, when I decided uh, that I was going to run for president, 37 years old, mayor of South Bend, it was, it was well beyond bold. Are you calling your own decision <laughs> beyond bold? Like, what? who does that? Do no, that. <laughs> other people can say that about you. You're not supposed to call your own bravery and, and, and shine a light on that. Oh, it's, it's like, really irritating. That's like when Robert Francis said that he, his, you know, donation, his contribution to society was immeasurable because <laughs> immeasurable. he decided to run for office. Well, when something is invisible, it is immeasurable. <laughs> well said. It's <laughs> a great point. A <laughs> uh, today's poll, should the 2020 census include a citizen? Question. Hmm, interesting question. 
Um, let us know what you think at the Blazes Twitter. What what do you think? So I don't see why it is a big deal at all. And they're like, well, people might not answer it. Well, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be measuring. I mean, it, it doesn't. You can say no, and your census still counts. Like right. the, the case against it, and you know, Josh is the perfect person to talk to this because you probably know the details a hell of a lot better than I do. But Why, it's because like, Josh is illegal. Uh, yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I think uh, he might be uh, very uh, steeped in the law. Uh, oh. so, um, but I mean, you know, the idea is look well. The Constitution says persons. It doesn't say citizens when you're counting people in the census. Therefore, you shouldn't have this question. But it's like, well, no. I mean, like, non-citizens are supposed to answer it. Yeah. They're just supposed to say no. Right. <laughs> and, like, right. and I get that there will be some percentage of people that will not check that box because they're nervous about it or whatever. But, I mean, I, that's probably the case anyway now without the citizenship question. Right? Like, yeah. you know, if you're an illegal immigrant, you're probably like, hey, do I want to turn this form into the in. government? Right? Yeah. Like, of course not. Exactly. Sure. Just waiting people who might be inclined to lie or misrepresent themselves from answering the first place. It's just not a very compelling argument <laughs> yes. against this. Uh, the government has a very compelling interest in understanding why citizenship ought to be there. I mean, they should know not just how many, how many persons are in there, no matter what the constitutional text says. There are all sorts of federal government programs that depend not just on persons, but on the number of citizens. And it's a perfectly reasonable thing for the government to want to know. Um, I, my big thing about this case is I can't, for the life of me, understand how we got to the point where this case is even in the federal judicial system. Mm. This, this really is not a, a justiciable issue in my mind. This is a purely political issue. I can't think of a single litigant who ought to have proper standing under Article Three of the Constitution to actually bring this lawsuit. Um, Daniel Horowitz of Blaze Media talks about this all the time. It, it, this, this case should never be in the federal court system. Okay, um, it really, And the fact that it's probably going to be a 5-4 decision is just frightening, to say the least. But that's well, and with Roberts, who knows which way that 5-4 goes yeah. these days. Yeah. I don't even know. Uh, all right, let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Josh, thanks for coming back. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. We'll have to have you back soon. You're going to be you're going to be around? You got it. All right, perfect. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be uh, interested to hear. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.